Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi, I'm Dr. Frankie and welcome to Vision of Health, the podcast where I talk to qualified experts about what being healthy really looks like. Through our conversations, we'll bridge the gap between the scientific evidence base and you, the everyday person who just wants to live a healthier lifestyle. I am very much on a mission to provide evidence-based educational content and practical tips that you can actually implement in your everyday lives. Our wonderful sponsors, FemFresh, who have supported me for a number of years now, share the same vision, to open up conversations on taboo subjects, to bust the health myths and improve women's health. FemFresh are not only industry leaders in women's intimate hygiene products, but also committed on educating on all things women's health. And this podcast just wouldn't be possible without their support. But you can also catch on socials at femfresh underscore UK and on their website, femfresh.co.uk. I'm Dr. Frankie, and this is my vision of health. With so many of us facing challenges with our mental health, I have no doubt you're going to learn so much from our next guest. She is on a mission to help people develop their mindsets and help cope with the challenges of daily life. Jacqueline Hurst is the UK's number one life coach with over 15 years experience. With her private practice in Mayfair, she has got clients all over the globe that come to see her. She's also the author of the number one best-selling international book, How to Do You, and she's the founder of The Life Class, which is an online life coaching school where people can learn to become a life coach or simply work on their own self-development and mind management. Jacqueline is also the resident coach and columnist for GQ magazine and she's featured all over the media with regular appearances on TV and she's also accrued a massive social media following. She posts such educational content about how to improve your mindset and live a life that's authentic to you. Welcome to Vision of Health. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. I love that you're doing this as well because, you know, you always also your Instagram is great too. So it's always good to have these sorts of conversations where people have got similar mindsets on things and, you know, we're all working from the same space, which is ultimately to help people, advise people, 
and, you know, share our goodness, right? What's better than that? Absolutely. I mean, I just really wanted to get you on the podcast because we've done an Instagram live together before. We have. And I remember just coming away from that hour feeling like I'd had so many light bulb moments. And every time I see all of your posts, I have have those moments regularly. So I really wanted an opportunity for us to share that with all the Vision of Health listeners. I would love to start by hearing a bit about your mission and your journey and kind of how you've got to the place that you are now, how you got interested in being a life coach and kind of like what your mission is. So like, sorry to anybody who's heard this story a million times about how I've got here, but how I've got here is through a process of taking all these interesting routes through my life when I, you know, I started very, very young, around 15 into addiction and alcoholism, anorexia, depression, anxiety, et cetera, et cetera. And I got into that for um, about 10 years and I got clean and sober at 25. And, you know, I'm just giving you a shortened version of it all. And at 25, I wanted to get help of how to sort of get better. And I was in therapy for quite a long time, which was useful and helpful. But then I got to this point where I sort of needed more. And I felt a lot that a lot of people just didn't really understand the extremes that I had been to. I think when you have one thing that you're, you know, struggling with and getting better from, that's okay. But when there's like five or six or seven things, I think it was very hard for me to find somebody that could show me what to do. So I sort of went out on a mission for myself to get better and to learn what is it that I need to do to have a life of freedom and inner peace, which was really, you know, what I always wanted. And through studying and learning and studying and learning and growing, I I found tools and techniques that gave me exactly that. So I had gone from literally A to Z. I just person A, person B. And then I thought, you know, maybe there was a reason I went through all of this. You know, maybe it was a bigger thing and maybe I meant to be giving back and helping other people do this. And so I started my business. And at that time, it was about 17 years ago, I would talk about mental health and people would say, what what, are you, what do you mean mental health? Like they truly everywhere I went, people just were like, we've got a nurse on on campus. We don't need anyone talking about mental health. And I was like, no, no, it's not physical health. It's in your mind, mental health. And especially in England, I was sort of laughed out of rooms or meetings. They looked at me like I was really a strange person. But I look back today and I think, God, isn't it amazing how far we've all come? So yeah, I built the business and then I started my school, the life class, where I train people to be a coach or it has a foundation course as well where you can do your own course. It's like a six module course that you can do, you know, in your pajamas if you want to and learn how to use your mind properly. And I've worked with over about, I think, 9,000 clients now through the business. And then, yeah, I wrote the book too, which was a very sort of, for me, it was really important to keep it very simple. I'm, mm. I don't believe I'm like an academic person. I, I can't do math. I've got dyslexia. Like I can't write very well, handwriting and things, but none of those things stopped me. And I, I really felt it was very important when I wrote the book that it was very simple and simple in a way for us all to understand it. You know, I used to pick up books and I, it'd be like figure 4.2 where your brain does this at this time and it, it would confuse me. So this was really important to just keep it very clear for people. And I think that's why, you know, it's done so well as people pick it up, they read it, they understand it, they can write in the, in the worksheets and they can really get into the book simply 
and then learn really important tools and techniques mm. in a really simplified way because that's what I needed I suppose that's why why I did it that way yeah, so yeah that always comes through in your content as well they're always really punchy statements yeah. that just make you think oh yeah I've been looking at that in one way and actually that's a yeah. completely new perspective yeah I think something that's really interesting in your story and thank you so much for sharing that sure. personal history is you talk about being at you know a real low um, uh -huh. when you're going through all of those things addiction yep. an eating disorder mental health conditions I think a lot of people share the attitude and I think I historically was one of these people as well that you have to be at the lowest of lows to seek help mm, I don't agree with that no, I don't agree with that I anymore mean, as well. I think the most important thing is never, it doesn't really matter where you are. What matters is, are you ready to get help? Mm. To me, that's the key. So like when people email me or call me and say, could you help my mother, my sister, my love and my brother? I always say yes when they call me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I think that's more important than where you are on the scale. Like everything's relative, right? I believe trauma is relative for all of us. So as long as you say to yourself, I am at a point now where I need to get help, then you're ready. Mm. You don't have to have had suicide attempts and terrible traumatic things to say, I need to get some help. Mm. And that's really important to share that message because I think especially English people, we're still very stiff upper lip and we still think that, you know, well, this major problem I'm going through, it's not that major because, yeah. but actually it might be for you and that's okay. Yeah, I think people are really guilty as well of saying, but I don't have it as bad as them. Yeah. So well, that's an easy justification to not get help, isn't it? Mm, very, yeah, very Like, true. oh, I'm not looking at myself. Mine's not that bad. Yeah, absolutely. So do you think over your 17 years experience that there has been a shift in people's attitudes towards mental health? Have you noticed that people are more receptive to these conversations and kind of mental health tools and information is more accessible? I have. And what I might say is probably going to be quite controversial, actually, at this next stage. But I'm used to that. My personal opinion is yes, in a one way, it's fantastic that people are really starting to talk about their mental health. But I think there are some situations where things are taken way too far that way because people do have bad days sometimes mm -hmm. and you can feel sad sometimes or you can some days just think, I just don't want to fucking get out of bed today. Like that can be normal. And then I guess what I'm trying to say is when the labels come in about I'm having a bad day, which equals I must have depression, mm. that's not okay. Because once we start to label ourselves with things, well, we can start to live up to the labels, which we don't really need to be doing. Yeah. So yes, in one way, great that we're all talking about mental health and we're all so much more aware of it. Like to me, that is the best thing ever. But I would caveat with that with you know and also be careful of how far you take it mm. you know of what is in quotes like what humans can feel versus you know extending it to a place that you might not be at actually mm. you might just be having a bad day yeah I completely resonate with that I remember in my fourth year of medical school it was so tough like the exams were just relentless and we spent months studying all the time and you're surrounded by people that are super high achievers so yeah. the pressure's really there yeah. and I remember going to the GP about something completely unrelated and I burst into tears and she like tried to label me as having anxiety and was like offered me a medication and obviously as a doctor I'm completely an advocate for medication where it's needed but I I thought you know what am I anxious or am I going through an anxious period where I have every right to feel this way I have exams looming my entire career is based on them and I just think it's interesting what you say about the labeling how people could then play into that 
label. You know what's so amazing is to have a conversation with you. And, you know, I know you and I are very open with each other about how we feel and what we think and how great, you know, from my side of of the desk here to say that I've actually got a doctor in front of me understanding what you've just said, which is you were under, you know, pressure. You were going through all of these exams. And of course you were feeling that way. But what bothers me is when doctors do say, take these anti-anxiety tablets, take these anti-depression tablets. You haven't actually got that. You're just having a bit of a rough patch. Now, I'm not saying pills are wrong, right? I got diagnosed with a million fucking things when I was going through everything I was going through and I wasn't any of them. And I think it's really important that we're careful with that stuff. I'm a real believer, again, probably getting contentious here, but I'm a real believer that anxiety comes from our thinking. And so how can a pill help that? So once we learn how to manage our minds and be stable and peaceful and calm in situations around us that we can't control, when we learn to use our mind to say, I need to think about it like this so I stay calm, or I need to think about it like that so I'm not affected by that thing or whatever it might be. Once I learn to use my mind properly, then I feel calmer and then my actions are better, my outcomes are better, your brain is cleverer than any pill when it comes to things like anxiety. Mm. So I'm a real believer of that. The amounts of times I've worked with people that have come in on all these different types of medication and I've said, not sure you need that. You know, don't change anything or do anything. You must decide that yourself. Like I'm not a doctor, but you probably don't need that. And slowly through the process of the work we've done, They're not taking their antidepressants. They're not taking anti-anxiety. They're learning how to use their mind properly and they feel billions of dollars. That's from your brain. I think that really aligns with how I see medicine in general. You know, sometimes these medications are useful as like an interim measure whilst you stop Yep. You know, addressing your thoughts, yep. you start addressing your trauma, you work on your mindset, yep. you start building these coping mechanisms. And, you know, it's the same for if someone came to me and they had high blood pressure, yep. we might start some medication to bring the blood pressure down to a safe level. But then I would also be having conversations about lifestyle factors that you mm-hmm. can change, mm-hmm. you know, exercise, diet mm-hmm. that can lower your blood pressure. And I think it's the same with mental health. And I'm really interested to kind of get your perspective on what are some of those mechanisms and sort of coping mechanisms people should be establishing that could maybe help them get off medication or indeed prevent them going on it what kind of daily tips do you have that will help build a stronger like so many and the thing is is it's quite individualized right Mm -hmm. so what what might work for one person might not work for somebody else but the message really is do the work that's my message to people because fundamentally it's really sad that we are not taught at school how to use our minds properly, right? Mm. It's. I feel like we walk around unconscious of what goes on in our head, unaware of what goes on in our head. And it's the, the hardest part about it, which makes me sad is it's not our fault because no one's taught us any mm. differently. If we'd have been taught at school, hey, this is how your mind works. This is how you change it by being aware and conscious of what you're thinking. And then what you have to do is push yourself to find ways to think about things differently that you absolutely believe to be true. Now, you know, my work can be difficult for a lot of people. That's why I only work with people that are really ready to do, in quotes, the work, because it takes energy and effort in your brain to actually push yourself there. But if you're one of the people that is willing to do that, your life will change. And I think that if we could truly understand that the power of our brain 
your brain is everything, right? What you put out attracts, what you put out comes back. What you put out is what is attracted to you. Law of attraction stuff. Like I'm a real believer in energy, all of these things. And so when people really understand how important it is to think correctly, (laughs) then you can't not choose to do that. But the first step to any of this is become aware of what you're thinking. And that sounds really basic, like, well, yeah, I know what I'm thinking, but you don't. (laughs) You actually aren't spending that amount of time with yourself in your mind, so be really clear. To the point where if I said, okay, write down what you're thinking right now, you'll probably write down how you're feeling, telling me that that's what you think you're thinking. Or you'll probably tell me what you think you're feeling and you're giving that to me in a thought process because your thoughts and your feelings are different. So step one is become aware of what you're thinking, not what you're feeling. Like already that's going to be a light bulb moment for some people. They'll be like, oh, wow, I didn't, hang on, what? Right? So being aware and being conscious of what goes on in there, really important. Step one. (laughs) Yeah. Can't wait to get to the other step. (laughs) And one of the things you said, just going back about having, you know, a bad day or a bad period and that's completely normal. I really relate to this. And I think I've got through the other side. And now if I'm having a bad day, I'm like, this is a bad day tomorrow's going to be better. But I think that's because I've done a bit of work and kind of have a little bit of self-awareness. So if someone is having lots of bad days and you're saying we should accept that sometimes we're unhappy and not every day can be super positive and super happy, on those bad days, what kind of thoughts should people be telling themselves? What should they be thinking? What should they be doing to come to that acceptance? Because I think some people when they have an unhappy period or a bad day, they see it as a failing. And I think that's the first thing that affects having a bad day even more. Mm. And one of the things I learned was like, when I was, especially in recovery, when I was going through getting clean, learning that I'm gonna have these ups and downs while I'm getting better, and allowing myself to have that was like a huge part of them, of those days becoming less mm. because I allowed it. I'm like, right, this is the day I'm going to have today. Like I'm just, I just feel miserable. And mm. if I feel miserable, it's okay. I'm processing my feelings. I'm feeling my feelings. And that's actually really important. You know, people often say to me, well, Jacqueline, you know, isn't all your work about ignoring your feelings? Well, no, not at all. Yeah. It's very much about processing your feelings first. And then knowing you've got a choice that once you've processed those feelings, because you have to, Mm. then you get a choice after a while to say, okay, you know what? I don't want to sit in this feeling anymore, right? Like you have a choice to do that and you have a choice to change that via choosing to think about things differently. Mm. You know, another thing, a tip for people is to ask yourself a question, which is a really important question with whatever they're going through is, how can I think about this differently so that I can feel a bit better? And again, I'm not going from A to B, I'm not going from like misery to absolute joy, but just to inch across to like calm (laughs) or just okay, (laughs) right? Like even that is powerful because you're helping yourself. So choosing to sit in a place of like misery and stuff, like you can until you're ready to change it. It's not the best place to sit for a very long time. But when you're ready, know that you have got the power to change it Mm. from inside of you. Nothing outside of you needs to change in order for you to change how you feel. So what would be your take on people doing things like exercise to help? Really important. And also nature. Like, again, when I got clean, one of the really important things for me to do was to be in nature. You know, a lot of my drug using was, you know, I ended up in 
different countries and I would wake up and be like, where am I? Like it was wild days, you know, and I never really saw too much daylight, you know, what I was using. And the minute I got clean, it was really important to be in nature. And to me, even to this day, it doesn't matter where I am in the world, I am going to take an hour out in the morning. First thing, I'm usually up five, six o'clock and I'm taking that nature break. And I have a dog, you know, I ride horses. The nature side of things for me, even though I live right in, you know, right in it all, the nature side of me is super, super important. And I notice the difference without that. Like I've I've had a couple of weeks where I haven't, I just haven't. There's been a lot of stuff going on. Unfortunately, I have an aunt that's ill and sadly about to pass and the family's really pulled together this week. And, and I haven't had that much mm. opportunity to be out in nature and I've really noticed mm. it. So I still will try and take like 10 minutes, but I notice I just don't have that. Oh. So the nature thing is, I cannot, I cannot say enough how important nature is yeah. because it, it's a grounding experience, right? We can be busy in our days. Again, unconscious, walking around unconscious all the time, you know, got to do this, got to get that, da, 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 emails. It's complete disconnection when we're on our phones, when we're on our computers, you know, on the trains. Like we're just doing, doing, doing. Mm -hmm. And you get into nature and you hear the birds and you look at these trees that have been there for hundreds of years and the grass that's growing and, and also the, the the way nature works of, you know, the autumn leaves falling, you know, and dying to make way for the new. Like mm. all this stuff, so important. Mm. It's funny that your version of kind of how you calm your nervous system is going out into nature and kind of like not doing much. I think a lot of people, myself included, you know, mine would be, oh, I need to go out and exercise because that calms me. But actually, I'm interested to know whether you think people often use coping mechanisms that are actually distractions. I believe all of it is, unless you are sort of able to completely and utterly sit with yourself. Mm then anything other than that is, of course, a distraction. Yeah. Again, not bad or good, right? This is not a judgment zone here. But I think that it's the work that I will teach people to do is to ultimately come back to themselves, to mm. their soul. And that doesn't have to be, you know, an hour of cross-legged meditation, like it doesn't. But just to be able to sit with yourself and say, right, well, my way of doing it is to go for a run. Even running can become addictive, mm. right? But it can also be a little bit meditative as well, as yeah. long as you're doing it in the right way. Yeah. How are you doing it? Is it working for you? Are you connecting to your soul as you're doing this stuff? And also the question with things like that is, if you aren't able to do it, how are you feeling? <laughs> you know? So that's another thing with exercise. You know, we see that a lot on Instagram of exercise, sorry, where people are doing it like all the time, all the time, all the time. And I get that. And okay, that's useful. But is it something that's being done in a way that is healthy? Mm. Or is it being done in a way that looks healthy, but fundamentally, if that person couldn't go to the gym for the next six months, how would they feel mm. mentally? How would they be mentally inside? You know, so that stuff's important to look at. Yeah, I think for me that I'm definitely one of them, you know, it's part of my morning routine. Mm -hmm. And so when that goes out of whack, I feel off for the whole yeah, day. Sure. Like I really rely on that structure. And I guess the way that exercise makes me feel. And when I you know, abandon that. It's always funny, isn't it? When we're in a stressful life period, yeah. we abandon all of the things that help us totally get through it. Totally. And I think if these things help us, then that's an amazing thing. If we say, right, you know what, I go to the gym, makes me feel better. I'm really happy with that. That's great. As long, I'm talking about just don't let it go past that space mm. where it becomes unhealthy. And without that thing, you can't live your life, right? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think, I think 
you you and only you individually can work that out for yourself. Mm. Also, your gut is always speaking to you. It knows. Mm. If you're doing something that, well, I'm really doing it to take myself away from myself because I can't sit down with myself. You'll know that, you know. Yeah. So that's on you yeah. <laughs> to work that out, you know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> I think something that's really important is we are in a mental health epidemic at the moment with more people experiencing mental health issues. Where do you think we're going wrong in our daily lives? It's a really big question. And I think that, listen, I could talk about this for ages. I feel like society as a structure right now is falling apart, especially with everything that's going on in the world. There's a lot of division. There's a lot of anger. I notice there's a lot of like hate almost, which I, you know, I haven't really seen before. I feel like actually since COVID things have really changed and people are talking about that, like how, especially London has really changed and that stuff is all going on. And at the same time, we can be in that and still look for the good. I think that's really important. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things, changed. I think social media can be really dangerous for a lot of people. I definitely know for me, recently I've stepped right back from that because it's really important for my own mental health that I'm not mindlessly scrolling and reading things I don't want to read or look at things I don't want to look at you know because it's just not healthy and I think that there's no control around that stuff and I think that as much as technology is amazing it can also be really disconnecting for people mm. I notice that a lot I spend a lot of time in the states I love being over there and the mentality is very different over there I walk down the street and everyone in the area, you know, that I live is like, hi, good morning. How are you? You know, you look at each other and you can eye. get that in the north of England. I'll say. Yeah, probably. <laughs> no, I'm talking, sorry, I'm only just talking about London yeah. right now. And, you know, and I feel like the London vibe is very, very, you know, hectic. Like no yeah. one says hello, no one connects really so much. And it's, I think that stuff is, it's a shame really yeah. that things are, have changed like that. But again, what I will say to myself is I'm not going to keep looking at that. I'm going to look at the good. Like this morning, a perfect example. I woke up and I put the news on and there was really sad things I was listening to about this woman that unfortunately her baby had died. And then it was all about some hospital thing where babies weren't being looked after or whatever. It was just terribly sad. And after like the third person talking, I was like, I actually, I don't want to start no. my day like this. I just don't want to start my day like this. Now, some people might be fine with that. But for me, I'd, I'm really careful about what goes in my brain. Yeah. And I got taught that very young, you know, when I was studying in America and, you know, my teacher said to me, you've got to be really careful and treat your brain really carefully, careful what you read, careful what you look at, mm. you know, and it's so true. Yeah. And I don't think we filter out on social media enough. You know, yeah. we just like follow people. And so if you actually go through who you're following, I like to look at like, what is this adding to my life yeah because loads of the things you follow they're all pretty but actually if you think about what it does to you it makes you want things it makes you want new clothes it makes you think oh I'm not working enough they're more productive than me it's a lot of it's dangerous it's very dangerous people. it's think... dangerous for people I always say to people to my clients that you know if you're going to go on to social media you must first use your mind yeah. and be conscious and aware and say to yourself I'm going to go onto an app and I'm going to look at things that are not real <laughs> that have been photoshopped and it's like the you know a five second snapshot of what someone else wants me to see in their life and it's just not really real so I'm going to go on to this thing knowing that's what I'm doing mm. you know it's different than going on mindlessly doing that yeah 
that's why I'm saying, you know, we've really got to learn to use our brain properly. Yeah. But then, of course, there's pages like yours where you go on and sometimes that can just really positively influence your day. You know, if you're in a bit of a bad period and you're going on social media and having a scroll and then you come across one of your videos, that's like super positive and super empowering. Sure. That's like the positive side of social media. And that's and that's our responsibility as adults yeah. to do that. My feed is full of dogs, horses, food, obviously, and jokes, like funny memes that my friends and I send to each other a lot. And that stuff like makes me laugh. Yeah. There is nothing else on there. Like I'm not interested in anything that is not involved in that yeah, little no, section I, of things. I completely hear you. I, so I really recommend everyone that's what listening goes and filters their social media and 100%. thinks what am I taking away from this and what is it doing to my nervous system? Yeah, and take it seriously. And what you watch and yeah. the news and all of these things. And I'm not saying don't be up to date with current affairs, but you don't have to sit in front of the news for like, you know, a whole hour, mm. right? Constantly feeding you negative stuff, negative, negative, negative. You will not hear on the news very many positive things. You can't live your life like that. Mm. It's not healthy. So one of the things I just want to touch on is you mentioned about, you know, being in city life. It's all go, go, go. Yeah. You know, I can't remember the last time I stood in the queue for the post office and wasn't doing emails. Mm -hmm. We never just be anymore. Mm -hmm. We never have these gaps in our day. Mm. That can be really hard to start implementing if you are completely hectic and a headless chicken, a bit like I am. What advice would you give to someone like that? Well, if you know that's something that you don't want to do, mm. make a point from today to put your phone in your bag and only take out your phone when you want to send an email or call somebody mm. and make a day of doing that. Right, today, this is what I'm going to do. You will be amazed at how often you pick up your phone or want to. It's scary. When I did this a few years ago, I was like, right, how many times a day do I pick up my phone? And it was like, not okay at all. And I'm a real believer of being present. So I yeah. think if it's something that is bothering you, become aware, become conscious, hang on a second, this is what I'm doing and it's not what I want to be mm. doing. In which case, the best thing for me to do is say to myself, right, today, just for today, my favorite saying, just for today, I'm only going to use my phone to check my emails. Or I'm going to only use my phone at 9 a.m., one o'clock at lunch and then six. And I'm only going to be on it for like half an hour max. And that's it. And you know what happens? The world still continues. <laughs> and it's amazing. Why do you say just for today? What's behind that for you? Just for today was something I learned in recovery when I was 25. And this always makes me feel quite emotional. When you're getting clean, all you want to do is use drugs. Like that's all you want to do. And the first year is the hardest year. The first 90 days is pretty much impossible and all you can think about and all you want to do is put a drug in your system so what they teach you in the very beginning is just for today meaning just for today I won't put a drug in my system just for today if I can get to midnight tonight I can go to bed and not use just for today like if I need to do it tomorrow I can but just for today I won't mm. that's how I got clean 20 years I got you know I'm 20 years clean one day at a time. Mm. So in the beginning, it's like just for the first half an hour, I won't do it. And then just for the first hour, I won't do it. And then you can get into that whole just for today. And I always believe that we can pretty much do anything we want just for today. Mm. And it's such a beautiful saying because it just takes away the pressure of the rest of my life, you know, and I can stay in just for today. Like just for today, I'm choosing not to listen to anything negative. Yeah. Just for today, I'm going to pick up my phone three times, just today. Mm -hmm. See how I feel about it tomorrow. 
breaks it down. Very powerful. It's really powerful. A, a great way to build new habits. You know, if people are wanting to develop their mindset and, you know, become more resilient and have, you know, be more self-aware or change things completely, it can seem really overwhelming if you're in quite a bad place to start with. But if you can implement a good habit just for today, then you can do it again tomorrow. And yeah. it's like, yeah, I love that. It makes it much more manageable. I would love to chat to you about a quote I saw on your Instagram about what success means and it being around having a calm nervous system. Everyone loves that. that quote. It's so funny. I really resonated with it. I really feel like, and lots of people will share this with me, a lot of my measure of success is things that I can see, you know, like mm. things I've achieved or kind of external validation. And that's kind of the way we're conditioned when we go through school, right? You get attention when you do something good. And we don't really learn that success is actually that inner peace and like calmness and just being content because you can't see it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. I love that quote because it really resonated with me that I think people really struggle with their idea of success. Mm. And exactly as you say, they believe that success is owning a you know a private jet and a yacht and having... 8 billion followers on Instagram and, you know, whatever, whatever. And that that, oh, well, then that person must be successful. But my view of that was that was never, you know, A, I've never seen that in clients of, you know, that I've had that have those things and they're not calm and peaceful. So I personally can't find that. How mm. can we be successful if we've just got all of these things outside of ourselves and we're, we're not happy inside? We're yeah. not at peace inside. And I think I also believe that so much because of my own personal journey of life of being, you know, on the bottom, living in a squat and having no money at all to experiencing life, you know, in certain times of my life at the top of the top of the top of the top of the top. And that didn't bring me peace at all. It was interesting to see that way of life for a lot of people. And anyone who says, oh, money is not important, that's not true because it puts a roof over our head and feeds mm -hmm. us, right? Like it is important in that way. But I remember being in certain you know, situations in my life where I looked like I, in quotes, had it all and I was really not happy and I wasn't calm. And for me, it was always about inner peace because I had this sort of, they call it the monkey brain. And it was constantly on, you know, it was like white noise 24 seven. And when I did my work and found peace, that noise went away. And I suddenly thought, oh, this is what I have always been seeking. And this is more important to me than anything else. And that took work, but I got there. And I think that's why to me, and I feel that in people's energy, you can feel it, you know, that again, I will only say this is just a personal opinion, like, but to me, if you are at peace, you are deeply successful. Mm. If you have a private jet, like well done on your business acumen, amazing, but who are you and what's going on in your head? And how are you sleeping at night? Mm. So again, some people can disagree with that and they might go, that's a load of crap. A private jet is the most important thing and they're really successful. And in one way they are, but we there's so many different ways to define success and everyone will have their own way. Mm. And some people will say that's it and other people won't. So to me, I, I do believe my personal point of view that the true measure of success, in my opinion, 
is a is a calm nervous system and of being a peaceful person no matter what's going on around you like that was always something i wanted as i got clean was like the 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 aim was to be somebody who it didn't matter what was going on around me i could be at peace i could be peaceful and calm i love that i think we have so much pressure to define our success by kind of monetary value and actually that just hits the nail on the head but it's just hot air isn't it it's yeah. like you know yay you've got a lovely handbag but are you a happy person are you a kind person are you an honest person are you a thoughtful person what are you doing to give back how's your head (laughs) Mm. right like why is it that we look at people that look good or own things and go oh my god they're successful well that's because we live in this society that constantly feeds us with that so that we buy more things. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's what's the economy's built on, isn't it, really, when you think about it. But you can also unsubscribe from that and say, you know what, I don't need to do that. I actually need to sort my head out much more than I need a brand new handbag. Mm. Or not. Yeah. Your decision. Yeah. And also everything that we earn, you know, the amount we work is at the expense of our time spent doing other things. I always think that's, you know, you could work more, earn more money, yeah. buy more things, but yeah. then you have to work more, earn more money yeah. to keep buying those things. And I think it also depends what you want. And it also depends at which stage of life you're at. You know, yeah. we have stages of life, right? Like usually in our 20s, we want to grow off really hard and we want to make something of ourselves. And our, in our 30s, we would then want to like build from that foundation into other things. And then our 40s, things start to change a little bit. We're a bit more like, oh, hang on, I'm 40. Like, wait, what? how am I living? You know, in our 50s and our 60s, and 70s. So we have different stages of life and none of this is wrong. It's just you must decide for your own self, how do I want to live? Mm. And some people want to work less and have a calmer life and other people want to work more and make more money and, and live that life. And that's okay. Fundamentally, as long as you're okay with what you're doing, that's all that matters. Mm. That really leads me nicely onto my next question, which is about your book, How to Do You. What does doing you mean? For me or for other people? Yeah, like the in, the concept for you or is it being true to your authentic self? Is it living a way that you want to live without? Absolutely right. So I wrote How to Do You because it was a manual of how to do you as a person. And I think that's really important. Like we people are losing their way mm. and, you know, they want to say no, but they're saying yes. Or they like if you're a, if you're a lawyer and really you want to be an artist, mm. but you're nervous of doing that because you haven't been brought up that way. And we are so conditioned from such a young age, you know, from our parents, our grandparents, our schooling, our religions, our culture, blah, 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 blah. And we are molded sort of into what other people think we should be really from a very young age. Mm. And I, this book was written to help people start to live from their soul again and be who they really are and and learn how to, if they're not being who they are, how to get to that place. How do I learn to say no when I constantly say yes? Well, the book will help you. Mm. You know, how do I live without anxiety? Well, the book will help you. It's getting you back to mm. you. And I think I think that's important. And like being in tune with what makes you actually feel happy. You know, I recently celebrated my 30th birthday and I was trying to plan a party. And I, when I was planning the party, what does everyone do? Have a party. And I was like, you know what? I don't actually get much happiness anymore from going out to a bar 
and drinking. And I was like, so why would I choose to spend my birthday doing that when it's not the thing that actually gives me happiness? Sure. And I ended up going to the countryside with some friends oh, and really had a sports day and That's a dinner. Great. Good. And, I, and it was, I had to really check in with myself, like what makes me happy? Yeah. And I think we don't do that enough, do we? We all live by other people's definitions of how we should be living. Yeah, I mean, you know, some people do and some people <laughs> do it differently. Yeah. But yeah, you have to learn how to be brave and just be yourself and yeah. let go of all of the shackles and what other people think about you and all of those things. And you can do all of those things with kindness, you know, mm. and learning how to not take responsibility for other people's feelings or thoughts or desires or wants. You know, that's why I call it the work because there's work to do for all of us, right? And it's different for each of us, but doing that work is like the best thing you can ever do for yourself. But how can people stop overthinking? I feel like we are, as a society, massive overthinkers. We're always worrying about if I do this, this might happen. Or if I do this, someone might think this or someone might judge me. Such an exhausting way for people to think. And it's very hard when you're living in that mindset because mm. you just are constantly on and you've got to train your brain, right? I always say your brain is like a puppy and you walk the puppy and the puppy wants to go here and it wants to go there and now I smell this and I want to go over that way and I can't, you know, and it's turning around and around on the lead and it's like, mm. And you have to train the puppy of like, no, we're going to slow down. <laughs> you're going to learn to sit. You're going to learn to stay. And you're going to stay a bit longer because that's what's going to happen. And that's what we must do and learn to do with our minds of like retrain it, unlearn things that we've been living according to things that don't really work for us. So it's really a matter of slowing it down and doing your work to stop overthinking, mm. which is the work that I practice with people, right? Mm. And it's 100% possible to change from that brain that's constantly in fight or flight and move and this and that and da, 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 to someone who has a much more peaceful, quieter brain. Mm. Like it's really important to do that work, mm. really important because you can't project into the future and you can't think that you know what's going to happen because of what's happened in the past because you don't know. It's not factual. Mm. And so learning how to sort of be present and calm your mind down, really, really important. Mm. Yeah. I'd love to touch on the topic that of our Instagram live that we did about a year or so ago now. Yeah. Um, and we were speaking about burnout. Yeah. Talk to me about burnout. What is burnout? <sighs> I think burnout is when we are overwhelmed with having said yes to way too many things for fear of saying no and what other people think. And I think it's when we are just, or, you know, or sometimes people are just trying to prove themselves. So they just are taking on more and taking on more and taking on more. And again, it's not, you know, it's not their fault, right? Like they don't know that they're doing it mm -hmm. until they hit a burnout and go, what the hell am I doing? And how do I change this? But sometimes if we're brought up with certain, like, for example, be a good girl and just make sure everyone else is happy and and it will be okay for you. And then you learn that and then you take that into work of I've got to be a good guy and I've got to do that. And, and then you just keep this ball rolling and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger mm. and bang. And burnout isn't all bad, right? Like sometimes the good thing about hitting a space like that is it does make you stop and reassess. Mm. And a lot of type A's have to go through that process because, you know, we keep going and we keep going and we keep going and we keep going because we think we can. And some massive has to happen for us to go, 
holy shit, I can't, mm. right? So again, it's like, well, it's sort of this conversation's gone cyclical because from the beginning we said, didn't we? Like you can't get help unless you think you've got a problem. Mm. And usually while we're juggling 15 plates, we were like, but I can handle it. <laughs> Even yeah. though they can't, you know? Yeah. And then something happens and then they're like, okay, right, I can't handle it and I need to sort this out. And what sort of signs would someone show if they were approaching burnout? For me, with my clients, when I've noticed that with them, it's complete exhaustion. They've got no desire to do anything. Going for a walk is like the last thing they want to do. They don't even really want to get out of bed. They've got no desire to see their friends. They are literally at, you know, like the tank is full and overflowing. They just can't, like, it's hard. Everything's a slog. It's like walking through treacle all the time. and, And their emotional bandwidth is like nil. And they just can't take any more on. Mm. And they're like, but I don't know what's wrong with me. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting, isn't it? Going, yeah, we're going full cycle. It's like someone might label that as depression. And I think burnout and depression are different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah super interesting. I think, you know, I don't think I've ever hit burnout. But in the pandemic, when I was forced to slow down, I actually enjoyed it. I was like, I'm glad this happened, not the pandemic, obviously, but I'm glad I was forced to take a rest because I think if I'd have carried on going how I was going, I probably would have had that bang moment yeah. where I, you know, the balloon pops. Yeah. And it's interesting. It didn't take the balloon popping for me to realise, but it took being enforced a rest. Yeah, I mean, being that was a massive a change for people, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they say, don't they, crisis creates change. So, mm-hmm. That's a drastic change for you from A to B, right? From what you were doing to them being in in the pandemic. So that will be a really good sort of leveler for you to go, oh, hang on a second. This is Mm. important to Mm. to notice this stuff. Mm. It's really important. On the topic of burnout, we're always told to be more resilient. What do you think about the word resilient? I like the word resilient and I think that's a great word in many ways. I think learning to be resilient is really important, Mm. you know, and we aren't teaching kids how to be resilient right now. I think we could do a lot more in that regard. I think resilience is is a powerful word and I Mm. think it's an important word because life is not a fairy tale. (laughs) You know, it's not a Disney movie Mm. and expectations and things like that really matter when it comes to these sorts of things. So I think resilience is a really cool word. I really like it. I think that's there's a line that once you go past because you're just being resilient can be really unhealthy. Mm. But I do think that we probably all need to be a little bit more resilient. Yeah. And what would be some of your daily practices that make you more resilient? I've just got my mindset is in check. I don't need a daily practice. Mm. I've got a really strong mind and I have had to be resilient. I've been through so many situations where I have been so resilient that people have been like, how are you even doing this? Mm. And I put that down to my my mindset. Mm. And I feel really grateful for that, that, you know, I literally put on my blinkers and I do what I need to do. Mm. And I think that is really an important sort of skill for us today mm. to be resilient. You mm. know, I think it's a, I, I really do think it's a very important thing. Yeah. yeah. I think for me, being resilient is like not catastrophizing a problem. You know, like when you're really stressed and then something bad happens and it kind of tips you off over the edge. Yeah. Being resilient for me is being able to keep it into perspective and yeah. be like, this is the problem. Yeah. And this is how I need to solve that problem, not yeah. all my problems in one go. Yeah, absolutely right. And resilience is really important character building mm. skill. 
life is going to throw things at you. Yeah. And usually when you've got loads on your plate, it's just going to chuck a few yeah. more, right? Like, and that's why your mindset and how you think really matters because those things either send you down a path of, as you were saying before, like depression and anxiety and pain and I can't get out of bed. And, or you're like, and I think I've put a video up on my Instagram about that. It's like, it's not why me, it's try me, mm. right? And it's all in your brain. How do you want to do that? How do you want to navigate that? You know? Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? Every bad thing that ever happens to you, you always learn lessons from. But at the time, you just don't believe that to be true. You always yeah. think, oh, this is just awful. But then you look back at that period and you're like, this taught me that. And actually, I wouldn't so be important. Here. I mean, those sorts of times in your life, so important. Mm. And they are such beautiful opportunities to grow mm. as a person. It's such a beautiful opportunity to grow when you're in situations like that. Again, it's like, do you want to be swallowed up by this? Or do you want to be like, I'm coming out fighting. Mm. Fucking watch me. I'm going to do this. That's my mentality. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> so as we kind of get to the end of our conversation, if someone's struggling right now, or in fact, if they're not struggling and they just want to improve their mindset and their mental well-being, what would be some takeaway pieces of advice you'd give them that they can implement starting from now? Yeah, I think be really careful about what you're thinking. I think that's really important. Be really careful about what you allow into your brain. And if you know that there's things about your own self that you want to change or you want to get better at doing, give yourself the gift of doing that by getting coaching, by going on YouTube. There's loads of stuff on there that's free if you need that. Mm. And start to, you know, you owe yourself that gift of living a life you want to lead, right? Life is really short, really short. None of us know what can happen by the end of the day. Like mm. none of us know. So utilize the beautiful opportunity and the gift of life that you've got and live your very best life by having a really strong mindset and doing whatever you can in your current moment of your life to make sure that you are learning how to use your brain properly. Because once you do, your life will change and it is just the best way to live your life. I love that. And I have a little bit of a tradition on the podcast. Um, we're asking every guest this. What is your vision of health? What is my vision of health? I'm going to say to you a really happy, healthy brain. Once your mind is happy and healthy and you know how to use it, that is like the healthiest way to live your life. Yeah. So, yeah. Amazing. Thanks. Thank you so much for this conversation. <laughs> I've learned so me. much. I do every day when I absorb your content. I learn <laughs> so much. Where can people find you? So you can find me, gosh, through my main website, which is JacquelineHurst.com, my Instagram, which is Jacqueline underscore Hurst underscore. You can find me at my school at thelifeclass.com or my book, How To Do You, which is on Amazon. Amazing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to Vision of Health. I hope you take away some realistic and practical health advice that you can actually incorporate in your busy lives to become the healthiest version of yourself. If you want to hear more from me, then make sure you hit the subscribe button, share this episode, and also go follow me on Instagram at DrFrankieJS, where I post a regular series of Women's Health Wednesdays with our wonderful sponsors, FemFresh, who you can also catch on socials at FemFresh underscore UK and on their website, FemFresh.co.uk. I'll see you next time. Mom 
deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.